Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. Offering the best deals on laptops, TVs, SIM-free phones, kitchen appliances and so much more. What is going to happen then over the next few days? Um, we're getting various messages coming from government and public health. Uh, Adam Higgins, who writes on politics for the Irish Sun, is on the line right now. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Good morning. So, Adam, one of the things that uh, interested me last night was the, the central message seemed to be almost to put a degree of fear into us over the last week to try and ensure we cut our contacts. And then Leo Varadkar comes out last evening with a slightly different message, saying, oh, well, it appears as though uh, the positivity rate is levelling off. But of course, as you well know, if you check a number of places around the country this very morning, there are not, um, um, they're not testing uh, slots available, are there? So it is very difficult to read this now. It is indeed. Yeah, there was some optimism in the, the Tarnish's comments last night, and it's important to note that this is the first time the Tarnish that has been questioned by the Irish media in over a week, maybe 10 days after he went to a trade mission to the Middle East. So we haven't heard from him in a while, and his news when he came back was very optimistic in saying that the cases are starting, there's early signs the cases are starting to level off, the positivity rate is starting to level off, and he said that he hopes the government can be in a position to not introduce any extreme restrictions in the run-up to Christmas, so very positive signs there, but that positivity was echoed a bit in an interview that the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan, did yesterday with Virgin Media News, in that he said he was hopeful that we wouldn't need any other restrictions or a 2020-style lockdown in the run-up to Christmas, so there are optimistic signs coming from this. So Neffet will meet on Thursday tomorrow to discuss whether they can see that the, the curfew that was brought in last week is starting to impact the cases. They'll assess the situation, send a letter to the, the health minister, but they have already flagged that nothing will change this week. It's likely that there'll be no restriction changes this week because they think it might be a little too early to assess whether the, the restrictions in the working from home that was brought in last week is is having an impact. So if there is any change, it will be until, I'd say, the second half of next week when we're likely to see them. In political circles, is there any sense that maybe there's a degree of magical thinking going on here? That, you know, obviously nobody wants a lockdown. Politicians definitely don't want to um, uh, announce one. So are they clinging to hope? I'm not sure. In, in the first words out of every minister's mouth over the past couple of days is that they can't guarantee anything and they don't want to introduce restrictions. But over the past one or two days, there has been a, a note of optimism in, in most TDs in the, in the House's opinion of, of how things are going at the moment. It seems that, in particular, the working from home uh, has been a big change. It seems like that has really taken into effect and people are buying into that as opposed to they were the week before last. And it's important to note that the cases that we saw, I mean, the situation seems completely fine until a, a dramatic four days that changed everything when Neffet came running in with this new advice. And this it's this virus situation changes so quickly that the Four days since last the last Neffet meeting shows you that this, this we may have turned it around. Who knows? Uh, well, Minister Patrick O'Donovan, who is a Fine Gael TD here in Limerick, is also on the line. Uh, good morning, Minister. 
Well, Joe. So what's your reading then of the situation now, um, what Tornish has said last night and, and generally? Well, I suppose, look, um, I, I, I still take uh, uh, the line that I was on to you about last week that um, our, our social contacts have, have made something of a difference. Um, not a massive difference, but they're, they're making something of a difference. I think there's more stabilisation than, than any major difference. Um, it's too early to say that that there's any massive coroner turned here, like there's still huge numbers of cases um, being presented. And we heard Dr. Motherway and uh, uh, other programmes yesterday referring to, for instance, our own local hospital, um, showing the work that, for instance, has been done out there, the massive work that's been done out here, literally um, turning ICU beds um, in from, from nothing, uh, creating ICU beds rather from nothing, uh, to, to cope with the, the surge in demand for ICU cases in our own region. So... This is a disease that's not. It doesn't present itself in terms of data. It's presenting itself in terms of very sick people, uh, and that's the the hard and fast reality that this is about protecting our health service from a situation that we've seen in some other uh, countries where they're they're literally being swamped, uh, and we've seen it in in the Netherlands, in Belgium, but but worse, we've seen it in, in places like um, Romania and Bulgaria, uh, and what the European Commission presented yesterday in terms of their data shows in very stark terms what we discussed last week, the very clear link um, between uh, your likelihood to survive uh, death and serious illness if you're vaccinated uh, and your likelihood to die if you're unvaccinated. Right, I want and to, a very clear link. I want to touch that on that with you. Um, there was a fantastic response around the country, including here in Limerick, to the call for vaccination. And I think in Limerick, we're in the mid-90s in percentage yeah. terms, fully vaccinated. Can we do any more? We can, uh, because if you look at Waterford, they have just uh, shy of uh, 98% of the population vaccinated. We have 96% of the over-18s. Um, Donegal have 85%, for instance, so they've a bit behind us, but if, uh, people that are over 12, then, you know, for the 12s and overs, uh, we've just short of 94%. So there is scope, but, um, you know, we, we, we started, I think, like the, these numbers, of course, that are off the charts compared to some European countries when you see that, like, uh, uh, some of our Eastern European and Central European countries where they're languishing in, t- in the figures, like, in the 20%. Um, so it does insulate and it does work. Um, I mean, the death rate in Ireland per, per million uh, is 15, which is a lot of people. There's a lot, that's a lot of families, um, and a lot of people have, have been bereaved. But when you compare it to somewhere like Romania, where it's 267, or Bulgaria, where it's 325, it's comparing apples with oranges. And, and, um, and, do, you, and do you believe then that that percentage that's left in Limerick, just to take the local example, that they are going to be moved by appeals by you or anyone else to be vaccinated at this point? Surely they are well aware of the situation. How could you not be living in this country and, and in Limerick? And, and they've clearly decided they just don't want it. Well, don't listen to me. Listen to the German health minister um, and, and himself and, uh, with his own background in this. I mean, uh, where, where, where this, he, his advice at the weekend was that you will be, at the end of this winter, you will be one of three things. You will be either vaccinated, recovered or dead. Now, they're not really, take out the vaccinated, recovered or dead is not, a, you know, there's, they're, they're not really good odds. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of unvaccinated people. I'm sure you do too, too, Joe. And there are a lot of scared people because they listened to an awful lot of people at the start of this. They got people from bad sources of information, Facebook, 
Trump-type um, uh, sources of information. Remember, there was a person going injecting himself with Domestos and Detol and everything else. Then there was other people who got really uh, fundamental religious sources, uh, crazy-type sources of information. And then we got people who, for political, naked political opportunistic sources, just to get their names in the paper, uh, some of them not a million miles away from, from Limerick, uh, went out and scared people to say that, oh, well, they didn't think they were going to take it. Um, they frightened people and they introduced vaccine hes- hesitancy. We all know people in our own parishes. Some of them are in our own but families. I mean, but do you, not, do you not accept, it. Minister, that, you know, in some instances at the beginning of all of this, there were legitimate questions being there asked. Were. I mean, these were new vaccines and, you know, putting anything I in, in your body is, is, you know, is, I mean, we all, we all had to make but a decision. No, you had to time. make a decision and, and I had to make a decision. And the one yeah. other point I'd make to you is that we were being assured that the vaccine was the way out of this. Now we're being told, well, the booster is the way out of it. it so is. you can understand it's how things shift and, you know, I don't understand totally scientific data shifts as well, but you can also understand that people listening to this programme are, are considering all of this as they hear it. Absolutely, and they're right to consider it. But listen, listen to the evidence that is emerging from uh, the European Commission, uh, the United States, most of the, the, the Centre for Disease Control, the Food and Drug Administration, all of the independent evidence, the World Health Organisation, the, the independent sources of information, the, the people who can't get the vaccine, who are trying to get it, we have it freely available in this country. And the reality is that, you know, look at the, what the, the German health minister said at the end of the week. By the end of this winter, you will be in one of three categories. You will be either vaccinated, recovered, or dead. They are fairly stark uh, realities for people that have yet to decide what they're going to do. This, vaccine, this virus doesn't care where it lands. Uh, it doesn't care who it takes, uh, and it doesn't care the, the, the damage in which it inflicts in our communities. Uh, and, you know, I know that people are playing with roulette in terms of listening to advice, in some cases, from political quarters of people who really just want to get their name in the paper. And, and what would you say story. to people, uh, Minister, who might say, you know, because you've been consistent um, and you've been pretty stark yourself, including on this show over the months, who might say to themselves, well, oh, gee, because there's that prophet of doom, Patrick O'Donovan again. Time is running out. This thing is, you know, and listen to Catherine Mudaway yesterday. The, the virus is now everywhere. And it, it will come to a point where all of us will probably get it. We'll either all get it or we'll all, we will all build herd immunity from it. Um, but for those who, who, who um, uh, I suppose, try to persist in, 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 in remaining isolated from, um, you know, in society by way of saying that we're going to try and remain unvaccinated, that is a, a massive risk that you're taking with your health and with the health of your, your families and with the health of your loved ones. Now, there are people who are allergic, and, and we know that, and they're, they're being protected with their own healthcare professionals. But people who are deriving their information from sources, Trumpian sources on Facebook, uh, are religious zealots, are political Neanderthals who have between them not a screed of scientific information who just wanted to get their name in the paper at the start of this thing and frighten people uh, in Dal Aaron. Those people have done untold damage and caused okay. vaccine hesitancy. Uh, they have a big case to answer. Okay. Um, Minister Patrick Donovan with us. I want to have a quick chat as well with Tracy Tobin, who is Limerick Branch Secretary of uh, the Irish National Teachers Organisation and, of course, of St. Michael's Infant School in Limerick. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Joe. How are you? Well, you have the minister listening there as well, so I, I don't know what you might like to say um, uh, on the basis of what you're experiencing now. 
Well, my experience will be based on members that will contact me in my role as branch secretary, you know, from all around Limerick. And we have over nearly 5,000 children attending primary school in, in the county of Limerick. And the stories that I'm hearing from teachers um, on the ground is one of real fear because they feel they're not adequately protected within the school setting, um, you know, to, to offset um, COVID-19 in their lives. And I, you know, and I think that's really serious, that if teachers don't feel safe in their work environment, that says a lot about, you know, about this country. Um, I think everybody has a right to be safe at work, no matter where you work. And right now, um, in primary schools, teachers definitely do not feel safe. And, you know, I'm hearing more and more teachers that are testing positive from, um, you know, fully vaccinated teachers that are testing positive. You know, like there was like a quarter of um, respondents to a recent survey that the INTO conducted um, reported there was over 605 staff uh, um, that have tested positive in a two-week period the first two weeks after and, the midterm Tracy, break. Are some of these uh, fully vaccinated teachers who get it getting quite sick? Yes, they are. Yes, definitely. And even if you just look at Twitter feeds, and I was just looking through them this morning, I saw, you know, I saw, I see, I saw one particular, you know, a teacher of a special class up the country who's in hospital at the moment, quite sick um, and with COVID, and has been sick since the beginning of October with it. So that's alarming, and that's you know, that's a real cause for concern. And I think you know, there is a way around this, Joe. And, the, you know, the, what what we're asking for is improved ventilation in the classrooms, you know, and they're saying that this this virus is airborne. So it's in the air and opening windows and, you know, and carbon dioxide monitors in three classrooms in a school, maybe with 20 teachers, isn't sufficient to offset this horrible virus that's definitely running through primary schools at the moment. And what about this announcement of student teachers being made available uh, to help where obviously teachers are out with COVID-19? Yeah, look, I welcome any any announcement that gives us extra teachers because at the moment, like in that two-week period, there was 11,000 days recorded throughout the country that there was no substitute available to cover for the, the teacher that was off sick on COVID leave, which, you know, which isn't, you know, it's not acceptable. Our children are entitled to be taught when they go to school. And this is something, I suppose, as a union since 2016, we've flagged that there's going to be a teacher supply issue in this country. And there's many reports that have been written um, and that, you know, that the minister has stating that we would have a shortage. And unfortunately, COVID has just kind of brought it all to the forefront now. And and Tracy, your thoughts on then on antigen testing. And then I know there's a call as well from uh, teacher unions uh, to reintroduce contact tracing in schools. Absolutely. Yes, contact tracing. You know, we had our own inspectorate from the Department of Education. They were fantastic. They worked as the contact tracers. They contacted the schools. They knew the schools, so they knew the layout of the building even, which is really important. Um, And they were able to assist us in contact tracing, you know, for whatever, you know, if it was one child in a class, if it was two children. And they could, you know, really reassure us and tell us exactly what to do. That's gone now. We don't have that support anymore. And that's, you know, that's really worrying because schools depended on that because we felt, you know, even if the the inspector didn't have the answer, access to the public health doctor, they would talk to the public health doctor and come back to Um. us. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Uh, thank you for making that case again this morning. Uh, that's Tracy Tobin, INTO Limerick Branch Secretary of St Michael's Infant School. Minister Patrick Donovan. Very briefly, um, how did you feel about the photograph of yourself and another minister on the front page of the Irish Times uh, yesterday? Um, did you think it was fair, or is it water off a duck's back for you? 
But Joe, um, when, when, Fort, when Fort Wildlife Park, which is a huge part of the southern region and Dublin Zoo, um, ran into difficulties uh, at the height of the COVID pandemic, along with an awful lot of other institutions in the state, and had nobody to turn to, uh, I's Minister for the Office of Public Works um, took responsibility for looking after them. I sourced funding to keep the Fort Wildlife Park and Dublin Zoo open to make sure that they bought the two things, that the animals were fed and that the capital works that were underway for which both the zoo and, 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 the, and the wildlife... the photograph in the front page, the prominent photograph in the front page? Uh, and of, uh, just let me finish, and, and that the wildlife park yeah. were, were no, able to finish. I appreciate all that, but what about so, the photograph? So, um, on Monday... We opened um, the enclosure. Yeah, I, I understand in, in, in all of that, and I, and I mentioned that yesterday on the show. But I'm asking you, what did you make of the photograph? Did you think it was fair? I have. I, I think, to be quite honest about it, uh, any any day that you're on the front of the paper is not necessarily a bad day, and that you're being spoken about. Um, so, like, Photo Wildlife Park is a massively important uh, institution for the southern region to do fantastic work. I'm hugely proud to be Minister of the OPW that was able to be in a position to look after and making sure that we were able to finish so the work there. No difficulty with it. And the animals there, no difficulty okay. whatsoever. That's fair and people have people have very little to be to be troubling them if uh, if they think that myself and Michael McGrath looking after uh, Photo Wildlife Park in the in the height of the pandemic was something. Okay, was something well let me, we let me ask one more question. Did you get any reaction to it from anybody? I got a massive positive reaction to say fair play to you for looking after Fort Wildlife Park that it didn't have to close during right. the pandemic. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Minister Patrick O'Donovan, thank you very much. And uh, thank you also to Adam Higgins, who writes on politics for the Irish Sun. Call Limerick today now on 461995.